Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today's message comes from the New Testament reading of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, today our focus is specifically on verses 9 through 10, where Paul is talking about how he views himself. And this description of himself is being added to what he had just said in verse 8. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. The resurrected Lord, Jesus Christ, appeared to Paul. And we're going to look at what he thought about that. Now, if you remember back in September, I told you that someone could diagnose me as having the personality personality disorder called paranoid schizophrenia. And one of the criteria for paranoid schizophrenia was having auditory hallucinations or hearing voices. We talked about the voices that you hear in the world today and whether or not within all those voices you are able to hear God's voice. Today I want to talk less about the voices that come from around you and focus on the voices that come from within you, in your life as a Christian. There are four of them that we'll look at. There's the voice of sin, the voice of conscience, the voice of grace, and the voice of hope. Our first voice is the voice of sin. As you heard from the children's chat, we're going to talk about the big word of sin. And what is sin? Sin, in its simplest definition, is transgression of God's law. It's a disobedience of God's commands. It's the things you don't do that God tells you to do, and the things you do that God tells you not to do. All of us have sin. We all have the things we do against God. And if you don't think you've ever done anything wrong, Paul writes in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I don't know where you come from, but where I come from, all means all. If that's not good enough, you can hear from King David who writes in Psalm 51.5, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. This is what we call original sin. It's the sin you're born with, the sin that has been passed on to you from your parents, which was passed on from our first parents, Adam and Eve, when they sinned in the Garden of Eden. When Paul hears the voice of sin, this is what he says about it. Chapter 15, verse 9. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. There is a feeling of unworthiness because he looks at himself in the mirror and he sees all the terrible things he's ever done. Here's what I want you to do for a moment. Think about your worst sin ever. You all have it. I don't know what it is for you. And maybe you don't know exactly what it is, but just think. Maybe it's adultery. Maybe you cheated on a spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend. Maybe it's murder. Maybe you killed someone. 
Like Paul, he was a murderer. He killed Christians. That's the persecution of the church he mentions. Maybe it was an abortion, taking the life of an unborn baby. Maybe you killed someone out of anger and served your time for it. Maybe it's stealing. You stole huge amounts of money in some embezzling scheme. Or maybe it was the daily change left on your parents' dresser. Maybe it's an addiction that you have. Alcohol, drugs, pornography, sex, gambling, social media, food. Have you had enough time to think about your worst sin? Okay, now I want you to think about your best sin ever. All right, I know sin isn't good, but think about a sin that is the most harmless. It didn't affect anyone, really, that much. The one time you lied to your parents and said you were sick to not go to school because you had a test you didn't study for. No real harm done. The one time you spread a rumor about someone because you didn't like them. It's not like anyone believed it anyway. The one time you stole a candy bar from the store. I mean, they make millions of dollars every year. They're not going to miss one candy bar. Have you had enough time to think about your least harmless sin? We're going to go back to Paul, who tells us in Romans 6. For the wages of sin is death. Here's the thing. All these sins, your worst and your best, even if you only did one, they all condemn you. While the majority of the sins you do may appear harmless, they are leading you further and further away from God, and they are leading you on the path towards hell. And actually, Paul would probably tell you, you're already there. You're in death. You're in damnation. You're in hell right now because of your sin. That's what you deserve. And here's the thing about God. When dealing with your sin, he doesn't let you off the hook. He doesn't say, oh, it doesn't matter. No, it does matter because he's the one who established the rules, the laws for you, for your good. Of course it matters. But we'll talk more about that when we get to his voice. And just because you can't see the harm being done with some sins doesn't mean it's not there. The voice of sin wants you to always remember those sins, wants you to believe that there's nothing you can do so you might as well keep sinning, wants you to believe that God is going to forgive you anyway, so just keep sinning. The voice of sin is like the voice of Dory from Finding Nemo, except this voice says, just keep sinning, just keep sinning. The next voice is the voice of the conscience which sometimes wants to work with the first voice because the conscience knows what to do. The conscience knows right from wrong. It's just a matter of which voice wins out with our actions. And that's what Paul writes about in Romans chapter 2 about the Gentiles. God has given everyone a conscience so they know the difference between right and wrong. The voice of sin wants you to sin. The conscience says, but it's wrong and you should do what is right. This is often pictured as the, the angel and the demon on your shoulder, as it's like a tug of war for the actions you do. 
We do know from Paul writing in 1 Corinthians 8 that some people have a weaker conscience and they fall into sin easier. Well, that reminds me of a story. There was a country church that had a member who insisted he was the best Christian in town, but who rarely attended services or gave anything of his time, talents, or treasures to the Lord. The pastor would challenge him from time to time, but he always had the same answer. Pastor, I may not seem to make much progress, but my faith is firmly established. One day, this man was hauling a heavy load, and his truck got stuck in the mud at the side of the road and wouldn't budge. Just then, the pastor passed by and couldn't resist the opportunity to remark, Well, brother, I see you're not making much progress, but you sure are firmly established. Our conscience knows right and wrong and can tell us that we're not where we ought to be. And there are many things in this life that we could be doing better even if we think we're firmly established in our faith. We could be using our God-given gifts more, coming to worship more, praying more, loving more, caring more, witnessing more. And this leads us to the voice of grace. Your conscience may tell you what you're not doing great at, but how are you able to do any good in the first place? How are you supposed to know what you could be doing better at? How are you even a Christian? As Paul writes in verse 10, But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Who are you? If you sit here today and say that you're a Christian, it's because of the grace of God. If you're even sitting here today, it's by the grace of God. And what's grace? It's God's unmerited favor. It's us getting what we don't deserve. It's God's undeserved love. So the voice of grace is really the voice of God. Now when we talk about grace, we have to go back to sin. Remember when I said that God doesn't let you off the hook when dealing with your sins? How he tells you that your sins do matter? Well, now you can remember those sins. Remember the best and the worst. The voice of grace says, I'm not going to let you off the hook, but I'm not going to make you pay the price for your sins. God says, I am going to pay the price for your sins. I am going to take your punishment Take your death, take your hell in order to give you forgiveness. And I'm going to rise from the dead in order to give you salvation. But it doesn't end there. Because God says, and as part of my grace, I'm going to give you the gift of faith. Because you cannot believe in me on your own because of sin, I'm going to give you the power to believe. And that power is the Holy Spirit. And God has given many gifts to the church as a way to give us his grace. He has given us his word, the Bible, where we learn about him, about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus' death for our sins and his resurrection for our eternal life. 
His grace comes to us also in baptism, where our sins are washed clean, where we are clothed with Christ. The Holy Spirit is at work in us. Faith is alive. And today, God gives us his grace in his supper. Jesus says in communion, I freely give my body and my blood for your forgiveness, for the strengthening of your faith, and for your salvation. So bring your worst sins and bring your best sins. Bring them all. Bring them to the altar and lay them down at the foot of the cross. That voice of sin tells you that your sins are too bad to be forgiven. The voice of sin reminds you of all the terrible things you've done and that you're not worthy to come. The voice of sin wants to keep you as far away from God as possible, away from his forgiveness. That's why God's voice says, come. Come to me, all you who are tired, with burdens too heavy to bear, with sins that seem too large to be forgiven. Come, and I will forgive you, because I have forgiven you through my body and blood that I shed on the cross for you. I have forgiven you through my death and resurrection, and I give you that same forgiveness in the supper. So, come. Even though you are a sinner, we are all sinners. And that sin will try and take control over your life. Christ has come and defeated sin, death, and the devil. And so he will walk with you in this journey to help you overcome sin, to overcome temptation, and to lead a God-pleasing life through the power of the Holy Spirit. A life not defined by your sin, but a life defined by Christ's sacrifice. So that you are not called sinner, rather you are called saint. Finally, we hear from the voice of hope. What are your dreams, goals, plans in life? And how does that fit into your Christian life? For a Christian, our ultimate goal is heaven. We heard Paul talk about that in the reading from Philippians chapter 3 in referring to the resurrection from the dead. He said, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We heard Jesus say in the gospel reading of John chapter 14 that he's going to heaven to prepare a place for us. Our final destination is heaven, but we're not there yet. And so how do we live our lives on earth. Of all people in this world, Christians should be the most visionary. After all, God has a plan for our lives, and it's not to live a self-indulged life where we put ourselves first. Because we believe in life after this earth, eternal life, we have hope. This hope is our anchor, and God calls us to share that hope, the good news of Jesus Christ, with others. He calls us to go and make disciples of all nations. And again, I don't know where you're from, but where I'm from, all means all. He calls us to go and make disciples of all nations. He calls us to love others. He calls us to forgive one another, no matter the sin. And that's because he loved us first. And because he forgave all of our sins on the cross, no matter the sin. My prayer this day for each one of you 
is that the voice of God who calls you to faith in him, who has called many of you by name in baptism, and who calls you to receive his supper, will continue to give you his saving grace, to help you overcome sin and temptation, so that his voice is the one you hear all the time, the one you follow, the one who tells you who you are and whose you are, and the one that will welcome you into heaven and show you where your room is. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our risen Savior. Amen.